The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Welcome to another edition of Health Kick. I'm uh, Tim Borum, and we're uh, recording live today from the Ausbiotech uh, Annual Conference in Melbourne, which is a gala uh, event indeed with over 1,400 participants. Um, today uh, I'm talking to uh, the co founder and CEO of Orthocell, uh, Paul Anderson. So, uh, welcome, Paul. Well, thanks, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Um, now, Orthocell is in the area of uh, regenerative medicine, which is uh, a hot area in biotech indeed. Um, and I guess it's all about helping the body uh, heal uh, rather than just uh, treating the symptoms of a disorder. In a nutshell, uh, Orthocell's mission is about developing and, of course, uh, commercialising cell therapies to treat uh, soft tissue and musculoskeletal uh, disorders. Um, as you can imagine, it's a pretty uh, vast market. Orthocell's core product is called CellGrow, uh, which uh, is a type of lattice made from a natural uh, collagen uh, to promote uh, tissue growth and nerve regeneration. Uh, you know, think of things like tendon and nerve damage or, or bone and joint cartilage repair. Um, uh, Orthocell is also working on a uh, better process for uh, dental implant uh, procedures. Um, what, what really got investors excited recently was a clinical study uh, showing that CellGrow was effective in nerve regeneration in cases where patients ha had lost feelings in their limbs um, as, as a result of an accident. But uh, over to you, Paul. Can you put some sort of context as, as to where uh, Orthocell stands in the global regenerative space? Yeah, no, thanks, Tim. I mean, Orthocell has uh, made a strategic um, decision uh, right at the beginning of the company to focus on what's called the musculoskeletal area. What we see is that uh, we have an ageing population globally in the Western world. Uh, there's a greater expectation for us to work longer. Uh, we, we have a greater expectation to be mobile for longer. And as a result of that, we have developed a suite of technologies that are set about addressing um, soft tissue reconstruction and regeneration and primarily targeting tendon, bone and nerve tissue. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, where do you sort of stand globally? I mean, uh, what, what else is out there? That's a great question, and um, what we find ourselves in a very unique position. So um, we have seen uh, a number of companies attempting to move into this regenerative medicine space. There's a lot of attraction for companies to do that. But what we haven't seen is many true regenerative medicine companies. So rather than a, rather than a medical device company moving into the biological space, which we've seen a lot of, this scenario is that we're a regenerative medicine company that understands the pathology and understands the reasons why patients have these negative symptoms that affect their daily activities of daily living. And so we find ourselves in a unique position that our products that we've developed are absolutely fit for purpose, very heavily niched in the, in the market uh, and differentiated from just about any other product in the market. So that leaves us in a really strong and powerful position. 
Yeah, okay. And, and how does cell grow work, basically, the, uh, the lattice? Yeah, so I, I guess I'd like you to think of it in this way, in that, that some tissues require a scaffold to heal the tissue. Some tissues require cellular uh, interaction to heal the tissue. So um, we've developed a portfolio of products that kind of addresses both of those pieces. And I think one of the easiest ways for your audience to think about this is think about a, a, an old tired building. And what you do with that old tired building is you erect a scaffold on the outside of that building. And that scaffold enables workers from within the building or workers within the body or stem cells from within the body to come and heal that building. What it also, the scaffold also enables is cells from outside of the body, cells that have been cultured or produced to come in and help heal that building. And when those cells um, have activated and when they have finished their job and they're repairing uh, and have repaired the tissue, the scaffold integrates and degrades and disappears, just as it would in a building. You take the scaffold down and you're left with this nice, shiny new building. So that's probably a, a good analogy to use. Mm. How long does the scaffold take to disappear? I, I presume the, the body just sort of deals with it in the normal way. Yeah, so again, very good question because one of the issues that we've seen globally with medical devices who have tried to get into this biological regenerative medicine space is that their ability to degrade does not match the body. So they either degrade too quickly and so they don't do their job or they take too long to degrade and they're actually getting in the way of regenerative medicine. They're actually getting in the way of the tissue repair and regeneration. So the design qualifications, the design remit around this scaffold were to make sure it has good biomechanical properties so that it can be used and sutured and robust for surgery, uh, that it is very compliant and handles excellently, so the surgeons love the handling qualities, um, but most importantly it degrades and integrates at exactly the time point and commensurate with the healing process of the body. And in the answer to your question, that's around the three to four month mark. And so there's okay. a real sweet spot that's required. So not only do you need a, a unique collagen and structure to increase the tissue healing and to have a true regenerative effect, you also need to have the integration and degradation profile to match, to enable it to do its job effectively. Yeah. Uh, who, who developed uh, CellGrow? It, it, it uh, stemmed out of university work. Uh did it not like Yeah, it did. Like so a lot of products? Yeah, like a lot of products. So um, OrthoCell is actually not a university spin-out company. We actually approached the university, uh, a Professor Ming Hao Zeng, who's our Chief Scientific Officer and he's also uh, the inventor of the technology. Uh, we, just, we, we knew they were working in this area. We were very excited about the developments and so we approached the university and we licensed and have now acquired those technologies and that intellectual property uh, from the university. University of Western Australia and since that time we have now developed a wonderful intellectual property portfolio with intellectual property um, uh, approved or being approved in the US, in China, Australia, Singapore, New Zealand and other uh, European market as well and other jurisdictions as well. Yeah, okay, okay. And you had a, a, a particularly interesting trial result recently, didn't you, where uh, the nerves actually uh, started repairing themselves. 
Yeah, so um, it's been a, a tremendously satisfying period for our company. It's been a, a tremendous period of growth. And this has come off the back of a clinical study that we've done where we're working with one of Australia's leading um, orthopaedic surgeon who works in nerve uh, repair uh, area. And so effectively what happens is that patients that suffer from a severed nerve or a crushed nerve or a spinal injury which affects their, their, their limbs. And effectively this is an avatar moment, right? So this is what we're able to do is to take nerves from other areas of the body and transfer and translate those to re-innovate the muscles within limbs to make non-functional limbs functional again. And this is an outstanding global moment for our company. It's an outstanding moment for the patients and really what this is about is an incredibly brave set of surgeons who are doing this pioneering surgery that is re-innovating nerves uh, into paralyzed limbs an incredibly challenged uh, and brave set of patients who are undergoing these surgeries in the rehabilitation post-surgery and OrthoCell's extremely unique technology which is providing it um, with the capability of these surgeons to do something which is not hasn't been currently available. And uh, you've had some results uh, with uh, paraplegic patients too, haven't you? Yeah, so with actually quadriplegic patients. Quadriplegic. Right? Yeah, so um, quadriplegia manifests itself in different ways. Um, some quadriplegics, like, um, uh, you know, have very high... Uh, cervical fracture, the cervical fracture, which means they can't breathe. The quadriplegic patients that we're treating are patients who have had um, neck injuries around the level of four, C4-5, which means that they can still breathe. They still have um, a, a nerves that supply their, their chest and their muscles in their chest to be able to breathe, but they can't use their arms. And so what we're effectively doing is we're translating pectoral or thoracic nerves and we're relocating those back up into the arm, which is basically the avatar moment. It's reconnecting an innovated nerve back to a nerve that's no longer innovated. And our scaffold provides the surgeon with some very unique pieces to enable him to do that. Traditional surgery involves getting a needle and a thread, plunging that into the nerve and trying to suture them back together again. But the unique characteristics of cell growth are now enabling the surgeons to do this repair with either no sutures at all or with minimal sutures and enabling the repair to get the, the surgeon to get the nerve exactly the right distance apart that's required to maximise the healing process. And last but by no means least, the unique collagen structure actually lends to what we describe as a bioactive chamber. It enhances the healing mechanism. Mm, okay, and how many, how many quadriplegics have you uh, treated? So we recently announced to the market 12 patients at one year. Um, and those 12 patients are demonstrating improvement that the traditional surgeries can't achieve at two years. So we're getting a grade uh, uh, three, four and five effects at one year uh, and we're going to see those patients continue to improve out to two years. So we're seeing an improvement in their function and we're seeing an, uh, an improvement in the time it takes for that to happen. Yeah, excellent. Um, now, now, cell growth, it's not approved anywhere yet, is it? 
It is actually approved now in Europe. So we're approved in Europe, the European market. So we have what's described as a CE mark for uh, an indication which is called guided bone regeneration and soft tissue reconstruction. So this is a spearhead, um, if you like, uh, for this product. It's the first approval in a large regulatory market. We're following that up with Australian and US applications. Obviously our main target is the US, yes. um, but we started with Europe and now driving these next phase into the uh, American market. And we're doing that for bone, tendon and nerve. Okay, okay. And the, uh, the Food and Drug Administration, the, the US authority, they've got a somewhat more, uh, I was going to say liberal approach, but uh, uh, they, uh, it's, it's not so much, the approval's not so much based on, on sort of formal uh, clinical trial results. Correct. So. I, yeah. I presume that helps. Yeah, no, look, it certainly does. I mean, it, it does pose its own challenges, though. Um, and for instance, the uh, Australian and European regulatory environment requires you to do what's called bench testing and compare yourself against perhaps another product in market to show that you're substantially equivalent. But you also have to splice into that clinical data. So you've got your equivalence, you've got your um, bench testing, and you have your clinical data. The US, however, is slightly different. They have a program which is called the 510K um, a program or application which gives you clearance for use of the product in the US. That is slightly different because you need to do your bench testing, you need to do your substantial equivalence, but you don't need human data, you need animal data to complement that. And sometimes that animal data involves you know, um, uh, large animals and so there's some complexity in that. So although um, it certainly doesn't require the clinical data, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's uh, less complex. Okay, it doesn't necessarily make it easier. Not necessarily, no. 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 I, guess, I guess nothing's easy in the uh, uh, biotech world. Um, okay, and uh, so in, in terms of uh, further uh, clinical trials to uh, ultimately get to market, uh, what's uh, on the horizon? Yeah, so I mean, we're focused in, in the initial phases of the company, this commercialisation phase of making sure that we have high quality, um, key opinion leader led, uh, centre of excellence driven um, uh, clinical studies uh, that have really supported the regulatory approval process where required. Um, so the next phase for us is continuing to develop our clinical database, continuing to engage in clinical studies in the US and clinical studies in Europe and Australia to provide us with um, essentially marketing material. It's enabling us to leverage the regulatory approval to present to the doctors a body of evidence that shows the efficacy and the importance of using these products in um, an augment to surgical repair, be it bone, be it tendon, or the really exciting new application of nerve. You've got to get those surgeons on side, don't you? Absolutely. Advocates. Ab absolutely. So there's really three key areas here that govern um, the success of the commercialisation process. First and foremost, you need to have a regulatory approval in a major market. Yes. That validates your manufacturing process, right? That shows you that you have safe and a high quality manufacturing process. The second piece, Tim, is that you need to have advocacy from some of the leading surgeons in the world. We call those key opinion leaders. So the key opinion leaders advocate for your product, not because you're paying them, but because they recognise that this is a product of high clinical value and worth. And as a key opinion leader, they're the early adopters who then teach and show other surgeons and clinicians that this is a product of high value. So regulatory approval, 
key opinion leader. And then the last piece there, but by no means last, is your clinical data, right? Yes. Showing that you've got good differentiation between yourself and any other products in the market. And of course, what that means in, in itself is make a splash into the market. So they're the three key pieces that are driving the commercialization process for CellGrow and OrthoCell. Of course, I guess the reality, Paul, is also that you've uh, got to be more cost effective or Absolutely. Uh, just as cost effective, but, but, but better. Yeah, so really, you know, regenerative medicine is about providing solutions um, for surgery and non-surgical um, pathologies that we don't do very well at the moment or that we can do better. And so really the remit of regenerative medicine is to find um, better ways of doing things that we don't do very well currently, but also providing more cost-effective approaches if possible, right? And that's not always the case. Um, but when you look at the cost economic arguments and you look at the cost economic scenarios around nerve repair or tendon repair, um, these are debilitating injuries or pathologies that affect significantly our activities of daily living. Yes. And let me, let me talk a little bit about the nerve repair, right? So these patients are hugely compromised. Uh, they're a burden not just to society, but to themselves and to their family. It results in low self-esteem. It results in, in, in um, mental health issues. It results in a, in a high cost burden to society. So any way that we can improve their quality of life, improve their function, to get them back into the workforce, to get them back um, enjoying activities of daily living within the domains that they're, of their injury, uh, is a positive thing, not just for the patient and society, but a very positive, um, positive cost economic outcome for the intervention. Yeah, and is there an opioid or opioid avoidance angle here as well? Because you've got, you've got people who can't feel anything, but uh, a lot of these conditions are uh, uh, quite, quite, quite painful. Indeed they are. And um, one of the things that we reported in the latest announcement of these 12 patients at 12 months is we showed a significant reduction in opioid use. Mm. So not only are we healing and providing um, uh, function to limbs that were previously not functional, they also suffered a lot of pain. And so the, the fixing of the nerve, the re-innovating of the muscle um, also has had a positive impact on their pain levels, reducing the amount of opioid use, which is a very, very important piece. We know that the opioid epidemic globally is something which is deeply concerning to all healthcare professionals. Yeah, particularly in the US. And particularly in the US. And so if we can play a role in not only returning function, but reducing opioid dependency, then that is a really exciting piece. Mm, okay, great. Now you're, uh, I was going to say you're a pre-revenue company, but, but you're not really, are you? Because you, you do derive revenue from uh, two uh, older products. Yeah, so I'd, I'd describe us as a pre-material revenue company. Pre-material so, revenue. So, yeah, so really, you know, what um, our uh, remit here in Australia is to um, develop these technologies, to validate them uh, in the market, to show that there's a pathway to market. And as a part of that showing there's a pathway to market, it's also demonstrating that you can generate some revenue from the early interactions with your clinicians. So by no means are we a company focused on generating revenue and a revenue-based company. This is really about validating a model, validating a technology from start to finish, and then presenting those packages 
uh, of validated, exciting, innovative, regenerative medicine um, uh, technologies to our potential partners. And this is really a big phase for our company now. We have significant clinical data. We understand the pathway to market. We've demonstrated that, that the doctors will use it. We've demonstrated that they have the capacity to do it. And we've demonstrated that people will pay for it. And that really is now driving the next phase of our development in partnering into the large markets that exist exactly like the US and the European markets. What sort of addressable markets are you looking at? So in each of our domains, in the bone regeneration uh, area, it's one of the fastest growing regenerative, markets, regenerative medicine markets in the world. It's not the biggest dollar value, but it's still a $1 billion plus market globally. Mm. In our tendon repair, um, huge numbers of patients suffer from tendon um, uh, degeneration and require surgery um, right across the globe. You know, just for instance, in one indication, there's in the rotator cuff, which is a tendon in the shoulder, there's over 300,000 surgeries performed in the US every year, over 30,000 surgeries performed in Australia every year. So in excess of $1.2 billion global market in the tendon space. Then we move to the exciting nerve space. And we see here, even in the US, it's about a $1.5 billion market. So we're talking about significant large markets here um, that our products are addressing. Yeah, okay. So uh, yeah, a lot of potential there. Um, and can this potential uh, be realised by uh, remaining in Australia? Are, are, are you happy to be an Australian uh, domiciled company? You actually happen to be in Perth, don't you? I, we, we do reside in Perth and uh, there's a historic reason for that. I mean, Perth is on the same time zone from Beijing all the way through to KL. It's a perfect Southeast Asian hub. Uh, we have our manufacturing based in Perth. Um, uh, however, we're an increasingly focused international company. And, um, you know, I, I spend an enormous amount of time in the US and, and, and in Europe now, engaging with potential partners. Um, you know, we are a heavily focused company in, in international markets. Uh, but, but we believe that we're ideally placed to continue to manufacture our approach. Uh, products locally and to engage with our key partners internationally and provide that product from here to the international markets. So increasingly uh, we are focused on the US but we see a great future for our company here in Australia and internationally. So, so uh, people don't slam the door on you because you're an Australian company like, like over in America? No, absolutely not. And I think that there's a great recognition of the US market in particular now of what a wonderful incubator market we have here in Australia. We have world-class um, technologies, world-class scientific um, endeavours. We're also extremely strong in the translational area. So we're very good at translating ideas and concepts through into the clinic and then into the international markets. And so we've got strong science, strong translational capability, and we have an extremely strong entrepreneurial spirit. And to combine with all of that, we also have a maturing market, financial market, corporate market here in Australia where we're seeing increasing VC money. We're seeing increasing recognition of the tremendous potential of life sciences and in particular regenerative medicine markets. We're also seeing a growing sophistication of our investors in this market who are beginning to understand that this is a slightly different model to digging minerals out of the ground, yes. uh, but the, the rewards are large and long term. And so we see that um, you know, there's a greater uh, appreciation of the Australian market. There's also now you'll notice a great number of American companies coming to source technologies from Australia. So that's a really a, a good feather in our cap, I think. Yeah, well, certainly, uh, certainly a, um, a bomb's been uh, put under the sector in terms of uh, so, some valuations of, of load across the board. So um, 
obviously uh, investors are, uh, are starting to, uh, to, to uh, uh, get it. I think they are and um, you know I think it's been a number of years of work and I've been yeah. articulating this story for a number of years now. Um, I've been uh, treading the boards telling the story about the excellence of Australian science and the translational capacity in particular and I think that is resonating and what's particularly pleasing is that we're having some wins right. So we're seeing a number of companies and OrthoCell included really marching on now into these international markets and I think that's a huge fillip for the investors likely to say you know what with a bit of faith and, 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 and some good science and a great team to drive this, we are getting results and that's a really positive thing for the industry. Well, that's great. Well, uh, keep uh, telling the story and um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you to it to, uh, to go and uh, shake some hands and, uh, and, and do just that. Uh, but uh, Paul, th thanks very much for the uh, chat. Really look, enjoyed it. Look, it's my pleasure, Tim. Thanks very much for allowing us to articulate our, what we think is an exciting story and um, really looking forward to the conference. Thanks, Paul. Mm -hmm.